Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great one planned for you. Um, something I've been kind of working through, sitting with for a while. This came out of a book that was released, and it really became more of an expanded topic because I think it hits a lot of things in our culture that we need to work on individually, relationally. Um, so we're going to talk about, ready for this one, how to be a, a better a better platonic friend, but more importantly, how to work on building intimacy with friends, showing them that you love and you care for them. It's an interesting one because in America, we are very touch-phobic. We... Well, we're touch phobic in general, and then we especially are that are, are that way with expressing affection for not just like family members and people we care about, but also for friends. And then you go to other cultures and you see friends, uh, hetero male friends holding hands. There was an amazing article that was done, and I can't remember, I cannot remember the country, but it was it was very much a norm in this country. And um, there's a lot of photos of hetero, hypermasculine males kissing each other hello and holding hands. And I thought, like, what a beautiful expression that is so triggering and so makes so many people uncomfortable in our current culture. Um, there's a lot of homophobia that comes up when they see two men holding hands um, or expressing care, kissing each other. But then there are some cultural communities and families that they very much do do that, where the father will kiss his son, you know, goodnight or hello or say, I love you. And maybe they'll, you know, grab each other and kiss them on the lips and say hi. And there's something very beautiful in that demonstration because it makes people feel cared for. So there's some homophobia in there. And then also, like I said, just intimacy, phobia in general. But then there's also some um, toxic monogamy in there, which is this idea that only your primary monogamous partner should ever receive handholding or an arm around them or expression of love or care. And it's such a sad thing to the detriment of people that maybe aren't even partnered and really would benefit from having those around them, put their arm around them, hold them, hug them, tell they that, tell them they love them. And I saw this shift in, in my close friendships when I started to tell friends that I loved them. And it was a really, really transformative thing for me because you know, I'm born of this culture and I definitely was not raised in a family or in an ethnic background that valued doing a lot of that. And so when I started saying to my friends, hey, I love you, you know, at the end of our phone calls when I'm walking away from them, it, it felt really good to say it. It felt really good to hear it back. And I think it further really solidified and communicated you're important to me. And um, not only that, again, I'm advocating, I mean, 
if only we could just nail this with our primary relational romantic partners, that would be great. So it's like I'm extending the homework and adding some more. I want us to do that to, to our friends as well, where not only do we compliment and celebrate and tell people that we're in a primary relationship, that we love them and we're proud of them, doing that with friends as well. Some couples, it's hard enough. They live together, they have kids, they've been married for decades, and they struggle to even celebrate and say, hey, I was thinking about what you did and I'm really proud of you. Or I realize you're having a hard, yes, a hard day yesterday. Here's what I did for you. My God, let's also do that for our friends. Another really beautiful thing is when I when I started trying to do that, where if I was talking to a friend, they said they had a hard day, I would gift them something, drop off cookies and a little note saying, sorry, your day was hard. I hope it gets better. So meaningful to them. Also, when friends are doing something, showing up and saying like, hey, how did that go? I know you had a work presentation that you were very anxious about. How was that? I was thinking about you. Or when I get off the phone with them, I say, all right, man, I gotta go, but listen, I love you and I'll talk to you tomorrow. All of that is so profound for them, for me, for our relationship and, and not standard and not normal for a lot of people. And I want us to get there. I want us to inch towards that. So would we have to dismantle? Well, it's very vulnerable to do that. There's some, for some of us, some homophobia in there, assuming if it's a same sexed friend and, and we are hetero identified that we're doing something gay. No, anything a gay person does is gay. Anything a hetero person does is hetero. Um, anything a man does is male behavior because that's in there as well. Men don't do that. Yes, a lot of men do. And we don't want to hold ourselves back from a behavior because it's quote unquote what men do or don't do. That's not a real thing. That's a false construct. That's, a, that's an abuse of genderization, right? We should do what makes sense for us based on our value system. And it's a beautiful thing to tell your friends you love them, whether you're a man or hetero, whatever it is. So we have to like get through all of that. There's so much in there. But then also some people are threatened. Some people would not find it okay if their primary partner who they're in a monogamous relationship with put their arm around their best friend, held their best friend's hand, gave them a kiss and said, I love you. You know, I hope your day gets better. Some people shame and pathologize that. We need more of that not less. We need to get more comfortable and confident with touch. We need to learn consent. We need to learn boundaries, 100%. But assuming all of that is in play and acknowledged, um, yeah, we need to we need to do more. So that's what we're going to kind of talk about. What are some of the ways we can push on those boundaries and, and really um, demonstrate more love and care for our friendships? And heck, if you don't even do what I'm about to talk about when we come back with your primary partner, well, then please absolutely start there. Start there because you might realize I don't do this with anybody. Oh, let me, let me throw another one in there. If you're a parent and you realize I don't even do this with my child, start there as well. Because if you're a parent, please flood your child with celebration, compliments, affection, and care. We don't need to toughen people up. That isn't the world we're trying to build or be a part of. People need to know they're cared for. Please also do that to your friends. Please also do that to your primary partner. So this is actually like a universal glo globalizable skill set, but I'm using the entry point of platonic love and platonic friendship, um, which is foreign to a lot of people. And there's something so stunning and beautiful in it. So we're gonna come back and talk about how to begin to do that and sit with whatever you get triggered around. And, and that's usually where you need some work. Um, stick around, we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, we'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh, Rachel, we're back and we're talking about platonic love, but um, this is a skill set that I want parents to apply to children, um, siblings to apply to each other, adults to apply to their friends, primary partners to apply to each other. So you might realize, wow, I don't do this with anybody. We're talking about it from friend to friend, but again, this is you. This this should be universal and ubiquitous. Um, but basically, this acknowledgement that like we're touch phobic, we have homophobia, we have toxic masculinity. Um, toxic forms of monogamy that would say you shouldn't be affectionate with your friends or express care. That's just for your primary partner. That is not true. You, you know, that's an anxious, insecure statement, not rooted in secure attachment or an understanding of love and care. People might say real men don't do that again. Also not true. That's a toxic misapplication of gender, which isn't a real thing and doesn't have any expectations, but yet we put it on there. And then some people think there's something gay about it as though there's something wrong with that. Um, but again, always trying to center, you know, heterocentricity. It's like, no, let's rip it apart. So what if we showed our friends that we love them? Have you ever had you know, a friend do that back. It's a beautiful thing. We need more love and care, not less. We need to be amping it up. And, um, let's talk about how to do that. So the first thing is affection. And I know that throws people off. Uh, some people don't trust the boundaries. I get that. Um, some people, this is very unfamiliar, but have you not ever had one of those moments where you just leaned your head up against a friend or you, I don't know, sat close to them or hug them hello, hug them goodbye, maybe give them a kiss hello, a kiss goodbye. There's something really beautiful in that. And I want us to push, again, with consent in mind always, and understanding how we're impacting and landing on people, but I want us to push on our boundaries around that. There's so many ways to express this. Um, telling them what they mean to you. Telling them when you're thinking of them. Telling them what it is that you're grateful about having them in your life. Like, why, why are you happy to have them? I try to do that all the time. If I'm thinking of a friend and I'm thinking of a funny story, I tell them. If I'm thinking of a friend and I'm inspired by something they've done, I, I'll tell them. I, uh, I just the other day reached out to a friend saying, hey, I wanted to let you know, I'm really impressed at what kind of a mom you are. And I said, I was listening to what you were telling me yesterday you were doing for your daughter and I was really blown away. And I just wanted to make sure that if no one else has said that this week that you heard from me, you're an amazing mom, you're an amazing person. That was really beautiful. Do you know what that did to that person's day? Do you know what that did to me? It brought us closer, it softened me, but it also really made them feel as though what they're doing is worth and meaning and that they're being seen by me, but also kind of helped them with their daughter. 
other things with friends. Like I said, if I know a friend's having a hard day, maybe I drop a little gift off at their house or I send them a little text to make them laugh. If a friend has a big work thing coming up or something small, I'll follow up and say, how was that? How did that go? And then always saying, all right, I love you. Letting them know you're there, making sure you know I express that. So basically what it is, is it's about a transparency. If you're thinking something about someone, communicate it to them. In our primary partnerships too, your partner walks by, they look good. You say, honey, you look really good today. They did something that made you smile. Honey, it made me smile last night when you came home and you brought me that dessert that you know I love so much. We're being more transparent and we're expressing what we're thinking. We're complimenting more, we're celebrating more, we're letting people know we love them and we're proud of them. But again, more so, and especially, not more so, but especially our friends, they need it too. There can't be too much of this. Um, and that's the thing is there's no, there's no preset course for this. There's no script for platonic expressions of love, care, and affection because it's not typical in our culture. Although there are other cultures where it very much is. Um, and so that's the question, right? How can we expand ourselves and have a bigger ability to tolerate all this? Now, of course, we're always remembering that people have different histories and different experiences of touch and affection. So what works or feels good for us isn't the same for them. And friend is going to be case by case. Um, so we do want to check in and we do want to ask. We don't want to ever use this to make people uncomfortable. But like I said, we are all very much deprived of it. We are coming out of and still part of this COVID thing where we're still distancing and taking space. And it's always something new that's going on out there. But what would it mean if you were to work on that transparency piece? Because that's also you going up against your own vulnerability. Because there's, there's, oof, it is vulnerable to tell someone you care about them. It is vulnerable to tell someone you're thinking about them or proud of them. But what if we honored that? And instead of leaning away and running from it, we, we ran towards and, and ask yourself, like, when's the last time you complimented a friend? When's the last time you celebrated something with a friend? When's the last time you told a friend you love them? For some people, the answer might be never. Ask that, ask that of yourself about your primary partner if you have one. When's the last time I told my boyfriend, girlfriend, or husband, or wife that I love them, I was proud of them? When's the last time I expressed gratitude and complimented them? Because guess what? It should be every single day. Why not be the person in people's lives who always makes them feel good and always makes them feel seen and cared for? What if you were that person? When's the last time you did that with your kid? When's the last time you did that with a family member? Because everyone I work with in my clinical practice, all my patients are pretty much dealing with the deprivation of that. Missing that, longing for that, wishing they had more of that, wishing they had the ability to do that. There's there's so much learning and growth in this. So that's the first piece. Um, kind of cover that one, just this bringing affection forward whenever possible. Then in doing the research, I thought there was another interesting piece that came up. Um, it was this whole idea of generosity and they hit it from a few different angles and I thought it was interesting. You know, generosity can be the sharing of our love and care, which we're talking about. Generosity can be um, being available um, to listen, to help someone process or work through something, to give advice. But then there's also a generosity of your skills and your talents. And I thought that was an interesting one. Being willing to take your skills and your talents and help enhance a partner or a friend, more importantly,'s life with those skills and talents. Um, what would it mean if whatever it is I do for work or whatever it is I'm highly educated in, if I was willing to help them have access to that to also enhance their life? Um, think about what it is that you could do or offer that makes people's lives better. I think there's something there's something more in that. Um, we'll come back. We'll talk more DMS. 
always open. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, always anonymous, always confidential. So if you're wondering about something, drop that in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Um, love hearing from y'all. And then check out past episodes of the show because we got a lot to unlearn and relearn. It's all about that repetition. That's why podcasts are awesome. Go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down for Loveline and click on it. They're all there. Otherwise, y'all, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about uh, working on our friendships. More importantly, though, this whole idea that we are not great in general at offering celebration, congratulations, gratitude. We're not very transparent about how we feel or think about people. And how can we work on doing more of that, especially with friends? Yes, please, with your kids, with your family members, with your with your primary partners. Oh, God, yes, assuming you've already got that down. But if not, start there. Also with your friends. What a beautiful thing to be able to be there on a deeper, more closer level with your friends. So we were just talking about... Um, Showing affection, um, telling them how you feel. If you're thinking something or notice something about someone, tell them that. That's how you feel close to people is that vulnerability. Then we're talking about this idea of if you have skills and talents, how can I be generous and make those available or accessible and take them as gifts to my you know, friends? Um, I'm always trying to find ways to do that. It's not always just in a therapeutic context. Um, but there's other things that I can offer and I try to kind of make that available to them. Some people are great with that. Other people's aren't. Other people aren't. Um, another important one is just dropping deeper and sharing joys, sharing struggles, not always just sitting in the middle, but sharing some of those more extreme feelings and experiences. Um, and it was interesting in some of the research, they referenced twice this, um, a study done by the American Psychological Association, and it was looking at how well received is vulnerable information and how people tend to underestimate the acceptance of it. And they tend to think that most people aren't, but they turn out that they are, and that people are a lot less likely to reject you from being vulnerable than you would expect. And in fact, the study showed that strangers, um, that the more open strangers were in what they shared, the more liked they were by those around them. And I always say that on the show, that letting your guard down normalizes that, that letting your guard down tells someone I care enough about you. Letting your guard down says to someone, you can do that with me. And so there's a, a, a micro and like a, and a larger macro intervention that happens in those moments. So that's kind of the question, like, are you, when's the last time and how willing are you to share with your friends both things that you are yourself proud of that you wanna celebrate or things that maybe have shame or guilt around that you feel bad about? Or do you only share comfortable material? And and how how intimate then can that friendship possibly be? Some people are better at bringing the struggles. Um, that's, that's a little more common. But to go to a friend and say, can I share with you something that happened today that I'm really proud of? Can I celebrate you, with you a success I had today? Can I share with you something I did that I felt really good about? That for a lot of people is very vulnerable because we'll shame it as not being humble or being cocky or self-congratulatory. And it's like, no, there's a healthy version of that. And I want us to not only get comfortable putting ourselves down, I want to get comfortable thus appropriately putting ourselves up. And so are you willing to share both elements, both sides of that continuum with people in your life? When's the last time you've done that? How willing would you be to do that? Why, if you don't? Um, really important. 
also, and this is my favorite point that came out of all the research, not ignoring conflict, not just sweeping under the rug disappointments and letdowns. There is something so loving about going to anyone you have any kind of relationship with who's meaningful to you and saying, you let me down the other day or you hurt my feelings with what you said. You're not attacking. You're not aggressive. Notice my ver- my, my word choice. Notice my tone. It's, it's, there's a softness to it. Hey, I wanted to talk about what you said yesterday. It's been on my mind still, it really hurt my feelings. That's an act of love and care. When someone in my life does that to me, I always first say, thank you. Thank you for caring enough about me and us to bring that to me. Thank you for caring enough about me and our relationship to let me be a part of healing that and part of the solution. Like, let's talk about it. I care about you. I'd never want to hurt your feelings. Here's what I intended, but I'm sorry that it hurt. And you, you take accountability, but more importantly, it's about the willingness to go to someone and say that also the willingness to be open. If someone comes to you and says that there shouldn't be any defensiveness. Some people are too defensive and aggressive for you to do that with them. You'll never have a great friendship. That's a bummer. Don't be that person, but also make sure you give people an opportunity to show you that they can hear that by you being willing to go to them. It for a lot of people is a very risky thing. We might be raised in cultures where it wasn't well received, but that's an act of care. It's quite violent and unfair and unkind to be upset with someone about something. Never tell them, never let them be a part of healing that, but holding them accountable to it. That's not care, that is not maturity, that is not adult functioning. So I pose that as another question. When's the last time you spoke up in a loving, soft way when someone let you down, disappointed you or frustrated you? Do you tend to instead get angry and aggressive, which is also very abusive and it doesn't give the person the safety to really hear you and fix it? Or do you go the other route, maybe ignore it completely? What would it mean if you just lovingly settled down and just shared your experience and brought them in in that way? Some people never do that. Again, I want us to afford that to everyone, our children, our family members, our primary partners, but this is really first about friends or primarily about friends. Are you willing to do that? Because good friends hold us accountable. Good friends let us know where we are in our relationship, primary partners as well, but friendship, yeah, practice that, be that person, give them that opportunity. Let people give you what you need, but sometimes we have to tell them first, but there's nothing wrong with letting people know that. And you can also circle back. There's no time limit. You can say, Hey, listen, I wanted to talk for a sec- for a minute. Something happened. Yeah. Weeks ago. And unfortunately it's still been on my mind. Can I share with you how you hurt my feelings? And can we talk this through? That's a beautiful act of care. All right. When we come back, we're going to do some DMS and then we'll, we'll get back to it. So stick around y'all. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, uh, dun, 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 dear, dear Dr. Chris, my boyfriend is a workaholic. Sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. Workaholic doesn't mean he works because he has to. It means he is prioritizing work to the detriment of relationships, fun, joy, pleasure. Don't do it. Anyway, back to your question. You said he blames working so much on needing money. Ah, well, I stand corrected. <laughs> but he does really well off. Okay, then I'm not corrected. I guess I'm not one to judge, but when I express I want to do a date night or plan something, nine times out of 10, he picks up a shift or is working. See, is there something wrong in the relationship or is it that this person over prioritizes work? Some might say, you might want to check in and say, are we doing okay? Are you avoiding having these difficult conversations or talking about what might be wrong in our relationship or our sex life? And that might be why you're working. So you want to consider that. Back to your question. You said money and financial stability are his goals. I love his work ethic. I just want him to try to balance things out. How do I tell him that without getting him defensive? 
Well, I want to hit this from two different points, and then I'll end with how do you do without getting him defensive. I want to just support you because people come first. What? I know. People should come before work to the best that you can do so. I know that we are bound by work. Everyone got to work for your needs, um, but people have to come first. I say it all the time on the show. Don't miss your kid's soccer game for work. Don't don't make that how you where you what your values rest on. I have a whole chapter in my book, Rebel Love. Read my book, Rebel Love, and my other book, Sex Outside the Lines. But in Rebel Love, excuse me, I have a whole book about how capitalism and this idea that our worth is tied to what we produce and how much money you have and all these other things has leaked into the way we run our relationships and that people have to come first. And so I fully support you. You're a human being, your relationship. That is what mental health is tied to. That's what our lives are are about. Um, not having someone make money off his labor, you know, right? Like how many cars and planes and homes do CEOs need? But back to the point, um, yeah, if I, I say this on the, all the time as well, that if your if your if your life structure does not allow for at least one date night a week, your life is absolutely out of balance. Because think about it again. I hate when people say work life balance. No one does it. We say we value it, but we don't. If you're working so much that you can't even get in an hour or two a week for a date night, how is that even close to balance? Are you kidding me? So you know, most of us are living in imbalance. So yes. I want you to um, say that in order for me to be a part of this relationship, I have to be prioritized. And one of the ways to do that is to plan a date night. Otherwise, this relationship doesn't have value to you and it may be something I can't be a part of. Like there, there is space for that to be said, that you joined partnership for partnership. And if partnership isn't available, well then a relationship does not exist. Whether you're married or not or called boyfriend and girlfriend, that is not what creates relationship. It's your presence. Relationship is a verb. You relationship, which means you're constantly doing things that are supportive of and centering your partner and your partnership. If you're not doing that, then you don't have one. <laughs> you know, they're actions. I, I advocate for at least a weekly date night. I advocate for mini and micro dates. Mini dates being Maybe, you, you know, weekly, you do dinner together, sitting at the table, talk about each other's days, go outside for a cocktail at the end of a, a night, or, you know, if you're in a state where cannabis is legal, maybe you smoke a joint together. Um, however, mandate that. Now, your question, how do I say it without being defensive? You don't name call, you don't criticize, and you don't attack. You make requests, not criticisms. Hey, it is important to me that I'm in a relationship with someone who honors that relationship and you know the way that that's best expressed and I'd love to spend time with you and I miss you and all that is a date night and I have to ask that that gets prioritized. So again, the way you help someone not become defensive is you don't name call, you don't attack, you just softly make the request and process and listen to what they respond with. But come in at a zero, don't come in hot, so work it through, process, calm down, make requests, not criticisms, and be open to being let down or disappointed by the answer, knowing that you have to then make for, you know future decisions about what you want and what you wanna be a part of based on their answer. There's no right or wrong, and there's no good and bad. He's not bad or wrong for what he's doing, you just have different values, and you're really gonna be discussing what should be prioritized versus what shouldn't. So. Enter it lovingly, stay relational, and good luck. It's a tough call. I don't know what work you know symbolizes or represents for your partner and why they're putting it before you and everything else. Um, so maybe it's a wider conversation about mental health and physical health and priorities. I don't know, but there you go. You know, Let me know how that goes. Um, all right, y'all, stick around because we got a whole lot more to come. But again, if you got a question for us, topic you want us to hit, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about the importance of 
platonic affection and intimacy. Studies are uh, showing us that we kind of hitting one of the most lonely times culturally. And what's really interesting about that is, um, you know, it's one of the things that we've been talking a lot on the show, coming back to it often. And uh, tonight we're talking about the importance of, you know, like I said, platonic intimacy and how that's a cure for a lot of depression and anxiety, having people as resources. Remember, co-regulation is one of the most um, powerful forms of regulation, meaning we do better processing and dealing with our anxiety and our depression and our fear with others, not on our own. It is not an inside job. It's a relational job. We do better when someone goes through something with us. We know this. When people are in safe relationships, they have lower levels of pain. Think about it. If you have to go to the doctors or go do something scary, you want someone to go with you. And if you're in a healthy relationship, we studies show that your heart rate slows down. It impacts the hormones that are released. It impacts your blood pressure. It slows down your breathing. Co-regulation is beautiful. Friendships are one of those resources. I talk all the time with patients in my practice about using others as a way to raise their self-esteem. Being around individuals that reflect back our worth and value is one of the most important parts of self-esteem. Self-esteem is actually relational esteem, co-regulation. We need to have others that we can bounce things off of and process, but more importantly, to soothe us. And it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. Friendships do this. And the problem is we have one of the most lonely periods of time. So, so I was looking at this other piece of research Ready for this one? This is a uh, male centered. One in five men say they have no close friendships. Um, and this is just really looking at how masculinity and some of the problematic expectations of it lead to loneliness and isolation. But I think we can apply that outside of that. Um, since 1990, the amount of men who report having at least six close friends has decreased by half. So half the people don't have at least a few close friends. Um, the numbers have gone in half. Sorry, I'm looking at this really quickly. Yeah, and they're talking about the use of virtual, which I think is important. I think it's really good that people can use virtual life as a way to connect with others. But here's something broader, and I know we're not necessarily talking about the, the toxicity of masculinity, but this is why when people are like, oh, we got to save masculinity and men aren't real men anymore. I say, good, let it go. And I'm glad they're not because of things like this. In our culture, men are trained to be quote unquote men, which always means don't be soft, don't value intimacy and relationality. It's instead be tough, be hard, be protectors, go work all day and suppress your emotions. I literally work with females in my, in my practice that shame or pathologize the men in their lives for being sad, for being soft, for not being an assertive dom top. And it's like, let people be people. Let's, let's look at this. This came out of the research as well. Um, due to men being trained to suppress emotions and avoid vulnerability from a very young age, um, men are less likely than women to ask their friends for emotional support because they don't have any familiar comfort with that. Men, again, are socialized side by side. Think about the sports men play. It's always competitive and it's always side by side where women as children tend to play more face to face games that have more relationality, more processing, more sharing. It's not that women are better at sharing and emotions and communication. We've socialized them to be. We've trained them to be. We all have the capacity to be emotional and to be relational and to be intimate. We all have the capacity to be good primary caregivers, but we aren't given the opportunity opportunity. It is not supported. It is not valorized. So, um, yeah. So 
again, in a study, 60% of women reported receiving emotional support from a friend in the last week where men less than 20% in a full week, only 20% of men in the past week got support from a friend that is heartbreaking. Um, this is even, uh, this is about the same. The numbers are about the same. The percentage of people who shared personal feelings with a friend last week, same numbers, basically. Um, men are also less likely to tell their friends that they love them where women are definitely more willing. Um, 49% of women told a friend that they love them in the last week, men less than 20%. Men are two times more likely than women to die from suicide. That's true. And that's because of this as well, they're working too hard. They're working too much. Their worth and value that they're trained to believe is tied to what they produce, how hard they work, how much money they make heartbreaking. So dehumanizing. Um, yeah. And men struggle with a lot of violent or suicidal thoughts because they don't have an outlet for their emotional expression. I mean, this stuff is heartbreaking, but, um, yeah. So this is why I'm talking about not just getting rid of masculinity and, 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 and letting people just be authentic to who they are and not trapping them in these expectations, but also just saying like, we need to focus more on our friendships, our primary partners. If you have one, great, they're an outlet and a resource, but they're not always available. Sometimes you're not getting along. Sometimes you're single. Maybe you'll always be single, but friends are something that should be able to be in existence and we should have access to them. And so, um, platonic love. What a beautiful thing. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about that. And then later we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our love line, IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. And as always, past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for love line and click on it. We'll be back listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and on Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we're back and I'm trying to drive home the importance of intimacy with your friends, platonic intimacy. Um, it's an important thing. And a lot of people, even some people, what's really hard, what's, you know, again, we're, we're doing it all within boundaries if you're in a committed or monogamous relationship, but it hurts my heart that some people call it emotional cheating. No, it's called closeness. It's called being known. It's called depth. It's called intimacy. Let's not be threatened by that. Let's love that our partners have access to that. Cause you know, we're talking about, um, Platonic intimacy, which is basically just non-sexual love, non-romantic love. And what a, what a beautiful thing to have access to. Um, so again, we're talking about some of the ways to do it, keep it alive, trying to get everyone to actually value this. Um, talking a lot is an important one. Maybe even building in re repetitive time together. Like that's, you know, every Sunday we hike or we take this class together, something really special about that. Um, but you know, we, what, what I really want people to take away from tonight's show with this is not to shame it or pathologize it because the gift of friendship is that we put very different expectations on it than we do a romantic partner. We are far, far less intense with our friends. We give them a lot more leeway. Um, the expectations are a lot less and that's what allows it to be what it is, which is why often if a crush develops, it's better to keep it as friends because friendship is the most stable configuration we can have with someone. And just because one level of relating to someone is great, it doesn't mean, ah, well, more would be better. In fact, more often makes it worse because it's too much or we change our expectations and we put a lot more, you know, intensity into it. And so keep it friends. That's the beauty of friendship. Not everyone has people to confide in. Not everyone has a safe or healthy primary partner, but you know, platonic friendship is 
platonic friendship, platonic intimacy, you know, intimacy with friends, they accept your flaws. They're not requiring a lot of change. Um, they keep secrets. They understand our feelings. They care about us. They're there for us. Um, not that our primary partners might not be, but again, a lot of people will go through multiple primary partners as they date and, you know, marry and divorce and break up and, you know, hopefully friendships get to not all of them ride it out a lot longer. So it's something we kind of take with us. I think another beautiful part of it is that it, it helps us understand that sometimes we do have to outsource needs to different people and that different people can connect with us on different levels and that there's no such thing, nor is there a need to have this one person again, for many, their primary romantic partner to meet every single need. And that it's okay if there's needs they don't meet because they're a person and they're going to disappoint us and let us down and we connect with them on the ways we do, but that friends allow us to maybe get those other needs met and to get those other parts of us seen and heard and engaged. And what a beautiful thing to have access to. But some people, when they date, they let their lives get smaller and they really just make it about them and their partner and they are threatened by or don't make room for friends. In fact, some partners, ready for this, some partners will claim the love, their husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, but then make them feel bad or shame them when that person wants to go spend time with their friends. They anxiously make it about them. If you love someone, support them going and spending time with their friends. Support these deep friendships that they have. Actually love them. Love them unconditionally. Love them when you are anxious. Be happy that they're happy. And if you want that, go create that with friends as well. If you don't have that, be motivated by it. But the most heartbreaking thing I see in my practice is when a partner will shame or get mad at their partner for wanting to spend time with other people. Grow up, work through those issues. I, I appreciate that some people have an anxious attachment style. Work through it. Don't act that out. Don't live and feel from that. Don't make your partner's life harder. Don't make your partner's life smaller. Don't, don't set your relationship up to operate with this idea that you're never allowed to be made to feel uncomfortable. You are. And that's why when I say grow up, I mean, yes, do the work of moving into mature adulthood where you deal with your anxiety. You don't act it out on your partner. You don't ask them to accommodate it. You understand that not all jealousy or anxiety is actually reasonable or appropriate. And when you are in a relationship with someone you trust, you support them going off into the world and having experiences on their own. And anything less than that becomes toxic and you are operating at the level of a child. I don't say that to shame you. I say that to motivate you. I want us to all be living in our adult selves. So when I say things like grow up, yes, that can sound very punishing, but what it is, is it's using the, the actual label and moving us in a direction. Keep the bar high. We often never want to be made to feel uncomfortable, but that is where growth exists. And being in a relationship with a person who's distinct from you with different needs from you will often mean that you will feel anxious. It won't always be about you. And this is a domain in which it's very important. So if your partner isn't spending time with their friends, check in to make sure it's, is it you? Are you creating dynamics where they feel bad about that? Cause side note, let me just say this. I can't imagine being expected. Let me say it differently. I can't imagine expecting a partner to literally meet me on every level, to engage me around all the things that are important to me, to want to participate in the world, in, in, in all the things that I want to do and in all the ways I want to move through the world and expecting that and also hoping that I can do that for them, which isn't always going to be the case, but it would hurt my heart to imagine I then punish 
if I'm not able to meet some of those needs and they want to go elsewhere to spend time and do some of those things. Look, I talk about all the time on the show. There's a lot of things I don't have an interest in. There's a lot of things I don't find value in it. There's a lot of things I don't find value in. That's the way to say it. But that doesn't mean that people I might be in a relationship with don't have a differing opinion and don't want to go do something with that, right? We have spiritual elements to us that we want to maybe relate around that our partner might not. There might be intellectual or academic where maybe they're not studying or working within our field, but we are excited at what we're learning, what we're doing all day. And we want to talk to someone else about law, medicine, art, or whatever it is. And your partner can't meet you there. Okay, good. They don't have to. So we can go to someone for some of the spiritual and go to someone for some of the academic or intellectual. There might also be some social attributes. Maybe your partner doesn't drink and you do. And every now and then you do want to go have a cocktail somewhere. Great. Thank God we can have friends et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's so many different domains. Social could also be they're outdoorsy, you're not. So we want to allow for that. All right, we're going to be back. We'll talk more about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. So stick around. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about platonic intimacy, which is that closeness and affection between friends. Saw, um, I don't know who wrote this. Every now and then I stumble upon like poems or writings and there's no author, but I love this one. This is the best definition of platonic intimacy. Kiss your friends' faces more. Destroy the belief that intimacy must be reserved for monogamous relationships. Um, Embrace vulnerability. Use emotionality as a radical tactic against a society which teaches you that emotions are a sign of weakness. Tell more people you care about them. Hold their hands. Tell others you are proud of them. Offer support readily. Take care of the people around you. I love that because I think that's the truth is we think emotions are a sign of weakness. We think emotions and affection and love should only be expressed between like family members or people you're romantic with. Um, We don't think we're responsible for other people or what's going on for them. And it's like, that's what's gotten us in this problem in the first place. Yeah, worry about your neighbor. Worry about your neighbor. Worry about other people in other states as well. Worry about people in other countries. These are arbitrary distinctions. Emotions are a sign of strength. Vulnerability is a sign of strength. Tell all the people you love, you love them. Be a part of making people's lives better by complimenting them and celebrating them and hugging them and holding their hands. Like that's what we need to move towards. Not more distance, isolation, loneliness, and coldness. Like I was showing you with some of those stats and those are heartbreaking that like 20% of men feel like they have multiple close friends. Only about 20% of men in the past couple weeks have told a friend that they care about them or had a friend to go process feelings with. That's heartbreaking. And yet men have the highest rates of suicide et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not, this isn't a conversation about men. It's a conversation about friendship, but it's my gosh, men desperately need it. Men are the ones that get into relationships and then abandon their friends. So we want to prioritize, maintain, and stay close and connected with friends. Um, Gay relationships are a little bit different. There's a lot of fluidity of, you know, being friends with exes, maybe dating people in your social circle, going from friends with benefits to friends and partners to friends and um, maybe open styles. And so there's a little bit more confidence around creativity and fluidity, but heterocentric, some toxic heterocentricity has leaked in there a little bit though. And there are some gay people that still are very threatened by people they're in relationships with romantically having close relationships with others. But again, we're working on adult relationships and we're working on only being in relationships with people we trust who honor boundaries and look out for us in the relationship. And if that's the case, we're good. And if not, you'll deal with it and talk about it. 
Um, but we don't want to be a part of things that just, you know, from the foundation up are not good. And how your partner deals with you having closeness with others is a huge part of how healthy and sustainable your relationship is and can be. Um, that matters, which is why I'm always saying date before you get into a relationship to assess these things so that you're not too far along when you find out your partner's value system. It's so important. Like I always say, the conflict, when conflict happens and you see how the two of you manage conflict is so important, but so is your partner's value system and how they see the world and what expectations they have. I'll say this as a caveat, or maybe it's a little bit of a disclaimer. Don't, don't misuse this because that's the only thing I'll say. You know, Don't feed your partner everything we're talking about tonight as a way to legitimize and get support around a uh, intimate friendship you have and then truly do misuse this concept by sexualizing or eroticizing it and making it unsafe. Um, because all of this platonic you know, um, affection with people that you're in a platonic friend-based relationship with really is mandated by tight boundaries. And it isn't a friends with benefits or a sexual thing. That's something else. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's in fact what it is. But if you're in a primary partnership and it's monogamous, you want your partner to be able to buy into the fact that your platonic relationships are just that and then that you're honoring the rules and the boundaries and that um, you know, the affection and the deep sharing and all that are appropriate. Um, so don't, don't misuse it. Cause I can see some people doing that. So you gotta be thoughtful about who you encounter, you know, <clears throat> who you utilize all this with, you know, the magic, the magic, um, not the, not, it's not, what is it? Two points, three points. The magic formula that leads to cheating is time together, attraction and deep sharing. And so you do want to be very thoughtful about that. Um, cause again, we're always starting with ourselves first and we're analyzing, like, is this someone who I have an attraction to? Because if so, then if I add time alone with them and some deep sharing, I might be moving myself towards something problematic. So, um, do, do take all that into consideration because if nothing else, this shows about building some awareness and mindfulness because most of us unconsciously and mindlessly move through the world and make all of our decisions. And, um, we're trying to stop doing that. Okay, um, we're gonna come back and um, we're gonna do some DMs. So uh, if there's anything you're wondering about, someone else might be wondering that as well. Always anonymous and always confidential. Put your questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, into the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's where they all go. And uh, wearechannelq.com. That's where you wanna go to check out past episodes of the show. Wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share because as I say, it's all about the unlearning and then some relearning and the repetition because the quality of your practice is the quality of your mental health, the quality of your relationship, and the quality of your life. So make sure you're focusing on that. Um, otherwise, all you got to do is stick around and not go anywhere because we got a whole lot more to come. Going to be doing those DMs, like I said. So still some time to drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, y'all, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, Rachel, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm struggling to find my true passion. I really don't care what kind of job I have. I just don't have anything that speaks to me. I just know I want to find a partner, get married, and have kids. Last few people I've dated said that me not having anything that I love in that sense is weird. We usually don't go on a second or third date. Why is that such a bad thing? That's your question. Why is that such a bad thing? It's not. Most people will not find passion. So I don't know why this person is saying it's weird that you don't have that. Most people's jobs are not their passion. Most people's jobs are because they have to have one. That's why I laugh when people in interviews want to say, why do you want want this job? Because I have bills, boo. Because I need money. Yeah, that's why I'm here. That's why everyone's at their job, number one, because we need one. We wouldn't be there otherwise. Like, let's just, let's, let's make that not an uncomfortable thing to acknowledge anymore and stop asking that on job interviews. They're there because it, they're hoping that you're going to treat them kindly. They're going to make some money and they're going to be able to, you know, live in the world the way they want. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? So most people don't find passion in their job at all. Those that have, congratulations. I have, I'm lucky. I'm rare. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that I had the choice. It's a privilege that I could, you know, get the ones I got. Anywho, back to your question. Um, most people won't find passion in their job. You know, it's really, I believe about finding jobs that align with your values, living a value, living a value centered life is going to probably guide you better than saying I need passion because why passion can change. You know, what's what you're passionate about or what you're interested in or what you find joy in last year might not be the same as tomorrow or next week or five years from now. Um, and I think it's a very confusing term because it implies like one, one thing and it's so specific, but I think if we instead make decisions based on our values and I've challenged everyone that listens to the show to decide like, what are your values? What do you, what do you want to be guided by? When in doubt, what do you want to use? to determine your next behavior, your next action. I always say on the show, I know what mine are. 
And um, that's what I'm guided by. I make all the decisions, social, professional, uh, and otherwise through the lens of, is it good for my mental health? You know, which means what mental, what's the mental health impact? And also, uh, then I also have the privilege, and I appreciate that that's in there saying, does it sound fun? I don't want to do things in my life that don't sound fun, even if they're aligned with my mental health, which if it's not fun, it actually is not aligned with your mental health. So when we're really saying, what, what impacts this is how my mental health, which should always be the first question we ask about a date, a job, purchasing something, whatever it is, um, you know, education, career decisions. Um, what that really means is, yeah, will it depress me or make me anxious? Will it support the person I am and want to be? Does it sound fun? Will it bring me joy? Um, will it make me feel good about myself, bad about myself? Like all that's tied in there will take me away from other important priorities. Um, but you have to figure out your value system and that's what you should use to make the decision as to, um, what you do with your time and all of that. And I think there's something really beautiful in that. Maybe you might say my values are using my time to be a part of creating necessary change. And so you engaging in work that is tied to that will for sure generate and you'll be able to connect to a concept like passion, but sometimes it will be hard. Um, you know, that's why I think the value thing is really good, but I think it's odd that this person was calling you weird for not having that. Like, I'm wondering what they're doing that they feel so good about. The only caveat to that is I will also say that we know from research in happiness that those that find the most happiness in their lives and also in their jobs are, and I've, I've shared this on the show before where their job utilizes what we call signature strengths, which means your job, it makes use of the parts of you that you most value and find most meaningful and important. If you're very philosophical and intellectual, then you would love something maybe like teaching. Um, if you're more artistic, you would not love a job, let's say, that incorporates or uses numbers like accounting. That is not within your signature skills. Also, it's a job where we walk away feeling like we've done something meaningful. You feel like your time and energy matter. So again, first one, signature strengths are utilized. Second, you walk away feeling like you did something important. Like, hey, that blood, sweat, and tears, those four, six, or eight hours that I just worked, yeah, there's value in it, here's why. And it's about what it produces, what it's about, it's mission statement, I don't know, but you walk away feeling like you did something meaningful. And then finally, you um, consistently engage it. It can't be a one-off. That'll have no meaning for you days later. So, you know, you're repeatedly going back. So find a job that use your signature strengths, one that you walk away feeling like, oh, I did something important, something meaningful, and something that's, you know, ongoing, which is what most jobs are. But people apply that framework to hobbies or volunteer work, and sometimes they're one-offs, and that's why it doesn't really give us as much meaning and value as other things. All right, y'all, that is our show, though. I know got to come to an end, but we'll be back tomorrow. So join us then you can listen to the show podcast it over at we are channel Q.com. Check it out. Otherwise y'all be kind to yourselves, be kind to those around you. Thanks for hanging out with me and you enjoy the rest of your night. Have a good night, everybody. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.